Alright, hello and today we are listening to the podcast from the Broken Millennials and today's host is Yeva here, our usual uh, old-timer and, <laughs> and me, my name is Dasha, I'm a newcomer here, relatively um, novel to this, uh, to this activity, so yes, today's topic will be... Health. Health. Health, sport, nutrition and everything. And everything. And even a little bit about disorders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still in our room with socks on our <laughs> phones. <laughs> It is still low-key and yeah. So whatever. Uh, we've decided to discuss some really interesting topic that is both pretty interesting for both of us i think yes very much so but in different ways in completely different yeah. ways i think you, you have something that is more related to something that is happening right now so i think you can be the first one to share your experience yes and I then i will share something about, okay yeah yes i think i think we'll get a very like when when um i tell my story and eva tells hers i think it will be two completely different stories and you'll see why because we both have very different relationship with sports and it's very interesting to see how how that influenced our lives really so yeah. for me Since since my childhood, my parents have always found some kind of sport activity for me to do because, and I think that's that's perfect. That's what a parent should do to make the child interested in something from the very early age and engage them so that they will develop physically and I mean mentally too as well. It's very well very healthy, but about that later. So I've been physically active for pretty long time and first first serious kind of sport that I did was like sports ballroom dancing and I've done that for maybe about five years and um, because of some some issues I had to leave and then I started doing rhythmic gymnastics for another I think three years and at that time my parents would often tell me to go there because as soon as I switched to the new sport it was exciting for the first maybe half a year but then I got bored and I was pretty lazy about it and my parents would have to make me make me go when I didn't want to and when I was 13 when we moved to the United States with my parents I left the rhythmic gymnastics and it was it was really fun there because uh, it's important to mention that I, from the very beginning, every trainer I had, every coach I had told me that I have really good physical, like, background, physical aspects to do certain kinds of sports. So they would tell me, oh, your legs are so long, so you'll be so good at this and you'll be so good at that. And um, I did a lot of stuff. But then I it never I never wanted to make to make it like professional even though some people pushed me to turn it into my full time occupation and uh, especially with rhythmic gymnastics where uh, my coach was trying to push me to uh, go train with another 
uh, coach who trained the uh, like the world acknowledged athletes and I refused so yeah I just didn't want to do sports and um, that's something we'll talk about here because it's really interesting we've been discussing this a lot of a lot of times uh, the topic of uh, natural talent and natural inclinations versus the effort the effort that you put and yeah, hard being hard working so okay I'm gonna pause that for a second and then um, <laughs> yeah so then when I was 14 I stopped doing sports because we moved to the United States and uh, I really I didn't find anything that I would like there and I didn't want to do anything and for a few years up until I was 17 probably uh, 17 I didn't do any sports even 18 I would say I didn't do any sports and I was completely fine with it for 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 that time I was I I, I was happy not to do anything and I devoted myself to other activities and uh, then uh, in the beginning of this year uh, I started thinking about the benefits of sports and I started first I started jogging with the help and encouragement of Yevo <laughs> uh, and uh, then I went to the gym because I found that I really like the working with weights and I really like um, following this like training routine and yes and I find it really really helpful in a lot of aspects and it really helps with uh, focusing with the certain academic stuff it helps it it makes me feel so good afterwards makes me feel so good uh, myself and about myself most importantly and it helped me boost my self-confidence a lot when it's very it's very important and it, I think it contributed so much to my mental well-being as well it's it's very important so yeah this my short summary of my uh, history with sports so with Yeva it's very different what was what was yours like yeah I, I think it, it is different in some ways and very similar in different ways so first of all my parents also always wanted me to do some kind of sports because they believe that I had to do something after school and I believe that it's great and I think that is the one best contribution that my parents could give me and it was that they gave me the possibility to try different things after school and sports contribute significantly to the person that I am now for several reasons so first of all when I was younger I wasn't naturally talented as Dasha <laughs> mentioned about herself I was the complete opposite and um, first of all, I've started with, um, I started with different sports and actually my mom, she was a gymnast and she also wanted me to be a gymnast, but I went to the trainings for the first year and they only accepted me because my mom was a gymnast and after the first year they told my mom that, well, if you want your daughter to still be training, she has to be... <laughs> the half of her size <laughs> so my mom even though she really wanted me to be a gymnast she decided that it will be a little bit harsh on a child 
of the age of three or something to lose like half of the weight. Maybe not half of the weight, but like to lose weight. It's not something really beneficial for a child. And also I wasn't um so stretchy <laughs> so to say I'm, I don't have any genetic benefits, especially in this kind of sport. So then my parents didn't give up <laughs> and I think I basically tried all of the sports not uh, team sports because I'm not a team player like from the very <laughs> <laughs> from my early childhood they understood that I'm not a team player but uh, I tried swimming I tried dancing it was bad <laughs> just so to say it was really bad I think I don't even remember what I tried but I basically tried everything that I was out there and tennis was the only available option for several reasons. And um, I mean, even though it was the only one remaining, still tennis coaches didn't really want to train me because they told me that. They told my parents that I, was, I wasn't going to make it anyway. Just, you know, uh, my first tennis coach told my mom that, well, she is beautiful. She will... You can do something else with her. I I remember that she told me like years after that. It was just, it was a very interesting experience. So anyway, my parents uh, decided to ignore those tennis coaches. I told them that I I will not be able to do anything in this sport. And so they found a trainer who was kind enough (laughs) to train me. I'm saying kind of because I was a, a very lazy, annoying child. And also not naturally talented at all. So I I will remember my first real trainer for my whole life. And I'm so happy that it happened. So anyway, um, as a result, um, I, have changed, I have switched coaches for years. And I don't even know how many coaches I switched. And uh, I think in the seventh grade, I got to, like, my dream coach at that time. And I, um, for the last, uh, I think, what, five years of playing and doing something in tennis, I was in my dream team uh, <laughs> where I met most of my uh, friends and all of this stuff. And just... My coach was also interested in pursuing a little bit kind of an alternative path for a tennis player. So he just, um, he understood that not everyone can become um, the next number one. And so he encouraged us to study especially English, and to try to apply to, like, American universities. So from seventh grade, it was my main objective. And I think, um, in this sense, tennis made me a person that I am now and gave me the possibility to speak in English right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. uh, And um, even though I was never determined to become a number one player, I... Uh, always wanted to be a good player and I played several professional tournaments so to say and 
I mean, from this perspective, I understand now that it was a really, really great experience. <laughs> Dasha is Come here. on, she's, she's saying she played some... Well, professional tournaments, come on, you played some like professional tournaments, that's how you say it. You played some good ass tournaments and you and you played it for ten years. Come on, that's Yeah. You didn't mention you I, I, I can imagine you were pretty cool at that. I mean as someone who has been playing it for so long no, it's, it's, it's really it's cool. arguable but still <laughs> No it's not. Come on. <laughs> I mean okay, no, really uh when it was playing it was extremely extremely not confident about me playing and uh, from now i realize that maybe i wasn't that bad as i thought i was but whatever just the main point is that i was playing um now i'm really proud of it and and just sport shaped my character and made me a person i am now and i'm really glad that it happened yet uh, the thing that uh, <laughs> we wanted to talk about is talent versus hard work that Dash already touched upon. And I think uh, we can discuss it now and here and then we can move on to dieting and all yes. this kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so um Dasha, what do you want to say about talent and hard work? Yes, as I as I mentioned before, um, a lot of people told me that that I was naturally inclined to do some kind of sports and um, I myself I did literally nothing for that but I've uh, while other people while I was growing up I remember the girls in my class going on diets and trying to maintain their weight and always they would say oh Dasha you can just eat anything and you'll be slim anyway and uh, I never gave it any any thought at all and uh, I remember my mm, gymnastics coach she was telling me that yes today you have it all but when you grow up you'll have to face the consequences of your what what you're doing now she was saying that when I was being a lazy ass and when I didn't do what she uh, told me to do but um in general yes I've I can consider from what people said about me that I was more on the side of uh, talent rather than I I of course I worked hard uh, but that was because my coaches pushed me not because I wanted to I sometimes I mean I did it for pleasure sometimes but I didn't really see the sense I never wanted to pursue any sort of career or in Yeva's case where she wanted to um, use the tennis, the opportunities tennis gave her to go to the American University. For me, it, it wasn't like that. For me, school has always been the number one priority. And uh, since I was doing well at school, I could just give some time for sports. That was my the role of sport in my life previously. And that was it. So yes, it's... Um, that, that, that's, I think, my story, but we were discussing before that often you see the those situations where you see the 
you know, when the new kids come, the young kids come to some sport activity and they start practicing and those who are left, you can see those who are naturally, who are... I've seen those kids in gymnastics. I've seen the girls who would bend any way they could. I mean, they would bend, they would stretch so well that they didn't have to use any muscles and they... they uh, it was they were at very uh, low risk of getting mm, physical trauma because again they were so flexible and but for some reason for a long time I didn't understand why my coach always was the har the most harsh on those people why she would even though they would make everything perfect everything she said they would follow her orders and they would complete everything better than anyone else but she would still say that you have this to be to uh, make better you have this leg to straighten you have this back to make stronger and i would never understand i would think that oh come on she's making everything perfectly better than anyone here in this room why would you like push her more but then uh i saw other kids who came uh who were admitted to this to this group of kids in gymnastics uh not because of who they were but more like regardless of their physical uh of their physical aspects some of them had i don't know some physical special things about them that uh when you look at them you would never think that this person would ever succeed in sports and uh but they were the ones who actually tried but you didn't notice them until much later until much much later that is the funniest thing because the only one thing that everyone was telling me for four years, my parents and especially my dad was telling me this, my coach, all of my coaches was telling me this, uh, parents of other children were telling me this, um, in sports, in tennis, I, I can speak from a perspective of tennis because in gymnastics it's a little bit different about the age, uh, because in gymnastics girls are usually... Uh, they started their careers younger and they end their careers also younger than in uh, the rest of the sports. But in tennis, it's um, actually, I think it's a pretty generous sport in terms of age because people can play up to like 40 years. I mean, um, <laughs> they can start really early and I think it's it's a great sport in these terms. And my parents need, uh, said that if you will be able to survive till the age of like 16, 17, then you will see that the majority of everyone who is playing will just, I don't know, will decide that it's not for them they will have some very bad injuries they will i don't know decide that they want to have romantic relationships or they want to go to universities or whatever maybe they will decide that um just tennis is not for them and maybe from a pool of 100 girls there will be maybe five left max and uh, it is actually what happened. It's so interesting because when I uh, quit tennis, I saw that there were so many girls quitting from like every year. And now 
I don't even know who is playing anymore and who is trying to do something professional out of it. It's just interesting that at some point everyone just is so tired and wants to quit and if at this point you were able to just maintain the pace it, it will be good and uh, in this sense uh, I'm talking about um, children that were talented from their childhood who had maybe who had better resources as financial resources or maybe they had better coaches maybe they had parents who were more more determined for them to play and maybe in general they were in better position than other children but when everyone reaches a certain point um i think it makes probably no difference how talented a person is it it makes certain difference but at some point if you are determined and passionate enough and you your health is good enough and just in general if there are possibilities for you to do sports hard work will be way more so to say helpful for you than talent yeah it will outweigh the initial Definitely. yeah the initial assets that you would have yeah that's we were discussing this from the very beginning of uh, when we just started talking because from the very first time when Yeva introduced <laughs> herself, she, I, everyone knew her. I mean, I don't know about everyone, but um, I and I think many others knew her as someone who played like professional tennis for many years, and that was like, really professional. Cool. It Come wasn't. On. It wasn't professional. That it was, was kind, the image. It was kind of professional. You, you know, know everyone. Just... <laughs> everyone had an image there. You know, when a group of strangers come together, everyone has kind of image. Like I, I mean, I, 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 can... did, I, I had nothing else to say. I, I could say, well, I played sort of professionally tennis sort for of them, professionally for yeah, ten no, years. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> that's uh, that was quite interesting. But yes, what about now? Uh, there is a very interesting topic that I actually even decided to research a little bit later. And um, okay, whatever. So the the topic that we also wanted to discuss something that is so relatable to our current situation, and this is. Food, food <laughs> and yes. our relationships with food and nutrition and all of this kind of stuff. I think we we should make a little, I don't know, description of our situation last year and our yeah, relationship. I mean, just um, I don't really know from which point to start because I had issues with food since the beginning of my childhood. And uh, Dasha <laughs> didn't really have issues with dieting and with food, I think. No, really? I never. Uh, yes, I, I don't think I, I ever Okay, had. I think then I will just make... Uh, I will just t- tell my story. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, so um, as I was mentioning before, uh, my mom was a gymnast and uh, I... Um, wasn't um, skinny. <laughs> I, the, this connection um, is really strange, but um, well, since the early childhood, 
I always loved food. <laughs> I, I mean, I should have made a podcast about food because I love food. <laughs> and my mom was always concerned about me eating too much. And uh, she always controlled me when I used to eat something, especially when it came to something sweet. And I remember it... I, actually, one of the first memories of my childhood that I remember is when I used to steal sugar from our kitchen in the house because mom never allowed me to eat something. And I stole food. Your sugar? <laughs> yeah, your sugar. <laughs> because I wanted to eat something sweet and I think I was too... Uh, like small to reach upper shelves and <laughs> sugar was on the lower shelf and so um, I, had, I stole little scoops of sugar uh, my mom will be uh, really happy I have never told her that I stole sugar <laughs> so and um, my mom didn't only control my dieting preferences uh, in the childhood, she still does it. <laughs> but it, it, it's more on a funny side right now, but still. <laughs> okay, so one experience uh, was uh, when I first tried to lose weight. For Now I understand that it was a little bit useless and it made literally no sense, but still. So uh, in there was a situation uh, I was... It was a PE lesson at school, and uh, I think I was, even though I was already six years into playing tennis and all other sports, I was always ashamed to do any sort of exercises at school. I was ashamed to run, I was ashamed to do all sorts of things. Uh, for different reasons, but primarily I, I think I saw that maybe... I don't know, maybe my stomach will fall out of my pants or whatever. It will show off and it will be extremely embarrassing. I don't even know how to describe, but I was always embarrassed to do physical activities during PE lessons. And, um, well, <laughs> during one of those lessons, we were running in circles and I think we had... A couple of girls in our school which were a little bit like overweight i think we had no not a couple of girls we had one girl which was really overweight i think uh maybe she had some kind of issues i have no idea but still and there was a boy <laughs> uh my classmate and we were when when we were running in circles he asked me um I don't know, remember what exactly he asked, but he said, like, well, uh, it's interesting, who weighs more, Yeva or that other girl? And that was it. I mean, it, um, now I wouldn't react the way I reacted then, and, okay, whatever. Uh, at that point, I decided that I really need to lose some weight. And I did. I think I lost around 8 kilos in 2 months or something like this. 
Uh, needless to say that the dieting method wasn't really fine. <laughs> I remember that from that point for a couple of years, I saw food in terms of calories and all this kind of stuff. And I developed a serious problem with the fact that I was really scared to eat something. I... Uh, yeah, I was really scared to eat food in all kinds of ways. I saw that if I eat one chocolate bar, I will have to run or I will have to make up for it. Or if I eat something, then I will become fat and I will become less attractive or whatever. And... Um, also, um, there is also one thing that I was always embarrassed about. When I was losing weight, uh, I was always craving something sweet. And uh, when I did so, I used to take small bites of something sweet. I used to chew it and then spill it out. <laughs> Just when you, when you want to get a sweet taste, but you don't really eat it. It's not good. You you don't have to do this. I, I, I think I even wrote, read somewhere that it's like first stage of bulimia or something like this. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, from that point, I, I, I think my relationships with food were in different cycles of dieting and then binge eating eating <laughs> binge eating something unhealthy um like i don't know several bars of chocolates at once and i was always embarrassed to eat in front of other people it, it, it actually it's horrible i ever now i understand i was afraid to eat in public i was I, I remember that um, sometimes after trainings I went to uh, the stores that were near our house. I used to buy a lot of things and I have then I went home, I ate everything there, I hide it everything and then throw it away somewhere away from the house so my mom wouldn't notice that I ate something. So <laughs> not good. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, yes, and, um, um, what, what I really want to say, uh, I don't really think that I have the healthiest relationship with food right now, and for many years I used to blame my mother for this, which is interesting, because, uh, I think... From the early ages, she developed, um, she kind of, I think she was always concerned with food and with the amount of food she ate and she wanted me also to control the portion. She wanted me to control the way I ate something and in her own way, she was trying to just take care of me which I realize now, but I used to blame her for my own problems, but now I don't. 
<laughs> I like how unsure you are. Like, I, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's difficult. I try. I, I I only came to realization that I, I just because I recently read a lot about like overeating and different food disorders and uh, what ev what um the hmm? sentence 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 <laughs> sentence are hard to make <laughs> and uh, what everyone is seeing that is the first step is to recognize that it's not um your own mistake or mistake of people who are close to you it's just something that happens it's like any other disorder no one chooses to have uh, any kind of disorder and when it comes to food disorders no one chooses to have food disorders just some people are inclined to disorders as well as other people don't and that is it <laughs> And that is it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, a very unstructured story. Uh, I don't even know if any story can be so structured. Wow, that's some postmodern is right I... here. Oh my god, <laughs> nonlinear narration. Nonlinear narration. <laughs> I don't know. I have some problems with structure and stuff. Just every time I'm saying a sentence, the other idea comes out. From it's normal. It's normal. It would it's be boring if you would just tell one story fixed upon this one and then just yeah, just it, it would it, take you like two hours to trans, trans <laughs> transition between the two topics. Still, no. I think it's a little bit difficult to understand the meaning of everything that I say. Okay, just to sum up, I have an eating disorder, in a way. Um, I in I I had it. From from early ages, and it was in different forms. I think it's just something that I have. <laughs> it's not a good note to finish. Uh, and no, no, I, I mean just... no. Actually, <laughs> that's just what I have. <laughs> no, yeah. What what I want to say that it's not such a big deal. Um, as I used to think it was. The first thing that I had to do is to stop feel, feeling ashamed, ashamed about even saying it out loud. That I had some kind of issues and that... In, because it's, it's so, sort of an embarrassing topic. It's, it's embarrassing from the side that, of people who suffer from anorexia, bulimia and from people who suffer from overeating and all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's a very embarrassing topic. I mean, because um, when there is seemingly such a small thing as food and it truly can influence your mood or influence the way you behave in front of other people or the way you feel confident or not confident about yourself or just a topic that I personally felt ashamed of for years <laughs> but I think it's important let's let's talk about now what, what about okay. now I what mean let's now? uh 
let me just throw in some because that was a really I mean thank you for sharing that with all of us <laughs> that no really this is something that not definitely not a lot of people talk about but we live together uh, and I can't judge of course but I think that we're doing relatively fine now. Yes. You were doing good. Yeah, we're I'm doing gonna good. even tell a funny story about myself. I mean, it's not a really a story, just uh, a uh, food-related habit of mine or a uh, food-related <laughs> specialty of mine. I'm overprotective of food. One second. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah I, I just wanted to... <laughs> we can make a separate episode about Dasha's overprotection of her food. Yes, I, but for now, but I think we have to start from the point. Just to give this thing a bit of structure, let's start at the point when we met and what were our habits at that point and what are they now. Yes. So you can talk now because I talk for too much. <laughs> There is never too much. Definitely. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we met, it was... Um, I had very strange views of how... Because it was the first time that we moved out of our f- parents' homes. And I had a very strange view of how people uh, how people live alone. Uh, I had a very romanticized view of that. As I realize now, I would think, you know, that it's cool to have a... A burger with coffee. Uh, I don't know. It's it's nice to live on that, you know. Especially for... I mean, just to say one thing. Today, we had a breakfast. Yeah. And Dasha ate pizza with coffee for breakfast. A pizza with coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's to celebrate the end of exams. It's okay. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, I just... Uh, yes, every once in a while... Uh, couple of times a week you can allow yourself to just eat junk like I, I I'm fine with that eating junk food uh, a couple of times a week when I don't know it's it's good I just don't don't make it a big deal for myself and um, I just try to feel good physically when I eat and when I'm not feeling good I then question like what did I do so that I'm not I'm not feeling okay right now but uh, in any case, I had a very strange view of how people would um, would get nutrition when they live away from their parents. And I never considered cooking for myself, even though we had a pretty decent cooking device. One <laughs> second. Now we realize that we had yeah, a now pretty realize... decent cooking device because... Last year we saw that it was horrible. Yeah, so last year we had actual opportunities to cook decent food, but we didn't use it until, I think, the last quarter of the year, right? And um, we just ate out all the time. And that's that's just, that's horrible. That takes a lot of energy to get to the place. It takes a lot of money. It's completely, like it devalues so much the experience of eating out in general and it's just not something i I think it's what many people who have many young people who have talked to have this problem problem when in the first half a year or so when they live alone or i mean away from their parents they would eat out constantly especially if their parents supply them with money and that was how um i lived and i mean we lived last year this year, one, one small note: we don't, we didn't only eat out because 
we didn't have so much money to eat out for the whole week. Yeah, we would buy we, trash food, we would buy absolute junk in yeah, the stores. Yes, and also when we went out, sometimes we went to cool, good places we where we could eat at least like a salad or... And I don't remember if we actually ate salads, but <laughs> whatever. Like normal food, but the rest of the time we ate something like Asian style Vogue stuff. Yeah. Uh, which was cheap and it was uh, it wasn't nutritious but it was feeling and so because we ate like once once a day um no, we had, I, I mean yeah. normal normal food normal, yeah, then ju- just I mean yeah junk, we yeah. ate like in uh, one meal a day and then we filled the rest of the day with junk yeah i just don't want to devote a lot of time to that period it's it's just bad it was just just bad yeah the first year was bad see 10th first 10 months were bad can i introduce our friend (laughs) no (laughs) i let me i i want to take the privilege to yeah one second (laughs) we have to make a transition yes yeah you make the transition Transition. Transition. You you make the transition and then you introduce your friend. Yes. You, you can do that. So, uh, then we moved to an, an actual boarding house where we did not have any cooking devices. We didn't ha- have a stove. We didn't have oven. We didn't have anything. And uh, the food that's supposed to be provided by our school is not not edible at all. So, we uh, yes, we had to act quickly. And we <laughs> that's how we got our third person in our room, our best friend for life, or at least for a little less than uh, a school year. <laughs> it's I don't even know what's the English name for that. It's like it's a thing. It's it it's a cooking. It's device. a it's a multi multitasking multifunctional cooking device that you use. You can you can use different different cooking functions in it, and you can boil. Yeah, you can do. You can <laughs> cook bake, porridge. Yeah. You, you can. What else can we? Do? You can. You can fry. You know. You can, you can do whatever you wish. Yeah, exactly, and. So Yeva, Yeva's parents purchased it when we when they came here, right? Yeah, when they came my, to visit. My parents uh, came to Georgia to visit me for a couple of days. Yeah, and we, uh, I mean, it's prohibited to have any electronic dev- any uh, yeah electronic devices in our rooms. So for some quite a lot of time, we kept our little friend a secret from any everyone else. <laughs> And that was just a turning point in our lives. That was just so amazing. We would buy good food that we liked. We would prepare ourselves anything, basically any, well, not anything we would want, but the things that we liked, we we would cook them. I mean, we had breakfast and we we had had porridge for breakfast. Yeah, we had warm breakfast. We had a warm lunch. And um, for last semester, we would cook mm, more simple simple i mean like we would mm, cook eggs we would cook bacon <laughs> uh quit yeah this Avocado. year yeah yeah this this year we changed our menu a bit but it's not this semester yeah i mean it's yeah this yeah this, this is academic 
Okay. It's, anyway, it's this so semester, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we won't go into deep details about our menu. It's, <laughs> it's not really interesting. I to mean, if you stuff. really want to, we can <laughs> a whole episode of us. <laughs> yeah, okay. but the thing is, the most important thing is how actually eating good, co- f- well-cooked food that's cooked by, uh, well... You know, when it's cooked by you, when you know what's in it, when you cook whatever you like, when you know that tomorrow you have you have food for tomorrow and you know what it is and you don't have to rely on, on, a, on a chance that there will be maybe something uh, or maybe you'll go out for some place and they will have, I don't know, breakfast menu or like uh, whatever. You, it's, it's very time consuming to go out somewhere especially if you live in a decent area and uh, this device has saved us so many times and yes we want to pass it on to the next generation after we leave this place yeah definitely i mean it was a game changer for us in our dieting and we can't stress the importance of cooking and having normal food because it makes your day better and it makes your the place you live in uh, home really and uh i've noticed an interesting thing about myself when we started cooking i think Eva can agree that the food afterwards when i came home and when i ate what before before that when i ate what my mother cooked i would always think that somewhere out in the restaurant it would be better but now there's you nothing... actually sound like yeah really sometimes what Come on, kotletkas. I didn't want really to have like whatever because they they chose they didn't like ask me what like they, they it's like they would ask me sometimes what do you want but I mean usually it was like healthy food and I was like I want some McDonald's shit please give me that it's so interesting I always <laughs> knew that my mom's food will be will always be the best one yeah I was stupid <laughs> for longer than um, yeah so, but at least at least that's it's good that now I can appreciate my parents cooking and I'm yes I'm so happy when I come home and I can just relax and I know that there is always something in the fridge. And yes, the conditions in terms of food that we live in now are kind of strange because we have a common uh, fridge which is twice as small as our fridge at our home for three people. And here we have 60 people, which doesn't make any sense. And uh, it's really inconvenient. During winter times, we used to keep our food outside on the small balcony that we have. It's not even a balcony. It's like, it's it's just... It's a fa- it's called Italian balcony. Italian balcony? <laughs> it's very Italian. <laughs> I feel like in Italy right now. <laughs> okay, it's just a fake balcony. <laughs> yeah, so we used to keep our food there. Which is a complete. It's it's such a it's such an absurd thing to do, it's such a surreal thing to do. Yeah, but we actually <laughs> like it because we didn't have to yeah. go downstairs. Uh, yeah, four four, four yeah, stories four, down and yeah. to get our food and it's horrible. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Actually, I, sometimes I think that we are both so stupid. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, it's ex- extremely irrational to keep our food outside. When there, when you just have to pass four floors. No, I don't want to pass four floors in the morning. 
thank you. <laughs> I would pass on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, yeah, in this, uh, I just wanted to uh, come back to my previous statement about me being really protective of my food. <gasps> yes, and definitely. that's why, you see, it. that's why, because we have uh, another 58 of hungry hungry young people with no morals <laughs> no, I'm people just steal our food yeah, people, steal, people steal our food and what, what what do you want what do you expect and there's no way of knowing who did it and of course i want to keep my stuff with me i want to eat my food and i m- m- want to share it only with yeva things i mean <laughs> and with people okay if i want to share i choose who to share with and i'm more than happy to share it but Without asking, it's a big no-no for me. One second, you were protective of food before we came here. Yeah, yeah before <laughs> it became a mainstream. <laughs> yeah. Stop drinking, please. That's this what... sounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Dasha was always protective. Of food. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't hungry. Uh, I didn't <laughs> experience famine when I was uh, growing up. My mom had always had enough to eat, but I don't know why. I just, uh, I don't know. I just constantly. I want to keep my food in one place. I want to know where it is, what it is, and who touches it. I, I mean, every time, <laughs> every time when. I don't know, she can't find something, when, when she can find bread, or when she can find an apple, I think <laughs> you just need to see her face at this moment, it just, it, it's a combination of anger, uh, of frustration, <laughs> for sure frustration, frustration, and I think deep devastation, very, it's, uh, yes, I'm about to completely fall into deep depression when I can't find my bread that I know is supposed to be there. You know, when... it's not funny. I mean, it's uh, she she is talking in a sarcastic tone, but it's actually for, true. Yeah, for me and for Yeva as well. I think she's quite quite. It's scary to live with me as uh, you know in Sometimes these terms. It is. Sometimes it indeed it is because uh, really I don't know why this is my strange relationship with food. Everyone has their own strange relationship with food. Yeah. <laughs> what is yours? Uh, share and comment uh, Share below. and comment. What, uh, uh, smash what, that subscribe button. <laughs> what food fetishes do you have? Food, not food, but food. <laughs> what food fetishes? <laughs> it's sexual. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, the conversation goes a into a really wrong direction. No, f- it's a Freud free zone. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. Our room is a Freud free zone. Let's make a podcast about Freud. Our relationship with no. Freud. <laughs> and it's a Freud free zone, so shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, I think we can wrap this up. Yes, Yes, so what should we say? I think um, if you have something to share with us, come on. If you, <laughs> you, you can, if you want, you can finish. If okay. You, yeah, you started, you can finish. Okay. So, our dear listeners, if you have anything to share with us on the topic that we talked about today or really anything else, which are food and sports and exercise and just. 
everything related to nutrition or sports or yeah, whatever, if you, exercise. Yeah. If you had any thoughts while listening to this and if you want to share them with us, we'll always be happy to hear them. So yes, don't hesitate to comment. Yes, and thank you very much for listening.